And we're back for another episode of Startup Hustle, a podcast for entrepreneurs by entrepreneurs. If you want to start, own, or build a business, then you're in the right place. We bring you the real truth about what it's like to take something from concept to launch, from growth, innovation, experience, failing, or winning big, we've got you covered. So let's get down to business with another episode of Startup Hustle, brought to you by Fullscale.io. And we're back. Another episode of Startup Hustle, Matt DeCourcy here with Matt Watson. Hi, Matt. What's going on, man? Oh, you know, I'm trying to figure out how I can get together and teach people a little bit more about all the stuff that I know, maybe the stuff that you know, maybe a way to just kind of share things in in a productive manner, but I'm struggling to find a technology piece that's going to help me do that. Do you think we can get something worked out? Well, we had to put our arena tour on hold, so we're going to need to go virtual with how we spread this knowledge. I, I agree. So, you know, we were going to have, we were going to do Matt Summit and really just kind of bring everyone in and let them all bask in the glory of Matt. Uh, I won't say which one, but probably me. And so with, with that, and once again, impeccable timing, we've got someone with us today that can help us with our problem. We have Dr. Mark Wade, the CEO and founder of Virtual Summit Software, and he is also the brother of the oh-so-famous Luke Wade here in Kansas City. So um, we may have some debate about who is the better Wade brother on top of it. But uh, for those of you listening, uh, today's episode of Startup Hustles brought to you by Fullscale.io, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. Now, you know I like it when you're interactive, so go to virtualsummits.com and check out what we're talking about. And let's give our guest, Mark, Dr. Wade, a chance to talk a little bit about Virtual Summits. Welcome to Startup Hustle, Mark. What's up? What's up? I got so many one-liners going through my head right now. I mean, I was thinking like, are you guys talking about like a boy band tour you were going to do? And then I was <laughs> yeah. thinking we could do a Royal Rumble, Matt and Matt versus Wade and Wade, you know, I mean, I'm all kinds that. of things. Ooh, I like that. And wow. don't let, let the one-liners flow. Nothing to hold them back, yeah. please. Well, that, that part of the Wade genetics definitely runs deep for sure. Okay. <laughs> Okay. So when you're born, you, when you're born away, do you get a book of one-liners and, and a healthy shot of entrepreneurship because your brother's an entrepreneur as well. So what's your backstory, doctor? Absolutely. So what both ex-military, um, with that. So yeah, I was, uh, actually I was active. I was national guard, um, pulled out of, uh, pre-med and sent over to Iraq to fight in the war essentially at 20 years old. And that was kind of my first experience with uh, death and reality up close and personal. And at that moment, I remember sitting there in my cot in my tent thinking to myself, like, no one would even remember your name. If I died today, what have I done with my life? What impact have I made? Who's heard my message? And no one, obviously. And so I kind of made a, a vow to myself at that point, if I survived my tour in combat, I'd spend the rest of my life building and leaving a legacy for myself. And that took me into medicine um, where I got my first doctorate and then my second doctorate and then a couple dozen certifications in neurology, neuroscience and human function um, and led me to creating one of the most successful posture correction clinics in the country. 
And at that point, you know, like most entrepreneurs, I've kind of hit this like success level. I got to this peak and I'm like, that's not enough. I need to do more, but I didn't want to actually open up more clinics because that would be a nightmare. So I was like, let's try this online thing. I had this idea for an online institute and, and this is like six, seven years ago before this was even like, like normal. Matter of fact, it was so not normal that every single person I told it to looked at me like I was crazy and essentially said, what, you're going to start an online institute? My dad at Thanksgiving looked at me and said, look, Mark, I'm just going to shoot you straight here. It's probably not your best idea. So like just move past it. And it was difficult. It's challenging, but I got this concept. I heard it on a podcast, which is why I'm a big fan of podcasts of a virtual summit. And I said, you know, what? I've tried everything else. I'm going to give this a go. Um, and we can dive into summits a little bit later, but essentially you usually shoot for about 20 speakers on a multi-day summit and I got seven. So I'm sitting there going, um, I'm a little bit short from the goal I needed. Luckily, just like my brother, I've got a big ego. And so it was hard for me, too hard for me to go and tell those speakers that had already said yes, that I couldn't do it. So I decided to run it as a one day summit. And that one day summit went on to generate around 5,000 leads or subscribers and around $32,000, which at that time was the most success we'd had online. Now, cool part is that summit, the backbone of that summit went on to be a certification, which became a multi-million dollar certification. And that company, the American Posture Institute, became a multi-million dollar company. Still there today. It's the world's largest provider of postgraduate online posture education. Side note, my father no longer thinks I'm crazy, which is always great. And then from there, when I found something that worked, I doubled down, double down, triple down. We started doing summits. We did two to four multi-day summits, four to eight one-day summits every year in that business still today and all of my business, which led us to actually creating the first platform ever for virtual summits called Virtual Summit Software. And about three years ago, you know, I made this really, I had this crazy idea in my head that if I just like start a SaaS company, it would run itself and be able to just go by itself. Like I could just stay over here. Right. Wouldn't have to quit my famous day job. Last words, famous yeah. last words. Yeah. <laughs> so, and that's exactly what I found out. I went from a practicing physician to a, uh, a bit online business owner to then now SaaS founder. And so about three years I went full-time into the software. And since then I've been helping people who have a message, get that message out to the world via these collaborative marketing strategies. Well, and it seems like now is the perfect time to be doing this. Like you, you were preparing three years from for this like economy and all this big shift to happen with the the pandemic and everything to everything going virtual. So how has that worked out for you? Well, obviously, um, it was not anticipated. I was not the one in Wuhan that released the virus, if that's what you're trying to say. But with that being said, um, hang on, let me, let me cross you off my list. Hang on. All right. <laughs> Thank you. Okay. Thank you. Okay. I just want to get that clear for, for everybody listening there. Um, it, it has ups and downs. So my other company, the American Posture Institute had an 80% drop in income when this happened. So we immediately, you know, boom, um, we've since been able to implement some things, which happy to share, which has been very successful since then. But of course, on the virtual summit side, the first two weeks that happened, um, we made ourselves completely available. I was on essentially consultation calls for free from about 6 a.m. 6 a.m. to 10 p.m. with 
everybody from the founder of uh, Spartan Races to the creator of Comic-Con to Archangels to everything in between trying to help them. I mean, these are in-person events that their entire livelihood, their, 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 you know, mega businesses have been built on in-person and they were just crumbling before their eyes. Um, as we all know. So we made ourselves completely available. We also, for the entire month, allowed anybody, we called it the Hope 2020 initiative. Uh, so the entire month from March to April, we anybody who signed up for the software, our virtual summit software got four months of the software for free. So we just donated our software for that period. Um, now things are still super busy, but at least we're a little bit more structured and I'm able to sleep a little bit at this point. Um, but we have been... I'll put it like this. We saw last year, we had a 1500 summits run last year on our platform. And already in this first half of the year, we've seen double that. So the statistics are coming out. There's no, there's no questions about it. The people who are running virtual events, and I definitely think we should clarify the difference between virtual events. The ones that are running it are seeing equal, if not a little bit more success for their virtual events with a fraction of the overhead. So virtual events aren't going to go away once we get back to in-person. They're here to kind of stay. You know, and and earlier when we were talking, you kind of made it sound like there's there's these people that are taking these in-person events and moving them virtual is maybe a little different from what you do. Absolutely. Can you explain that a little bit for us? Perfect. So a virtual event is just a big fancy word of saying doing something online, right? Now, what does that mean? So we have now, and these were very few and far in between pre-COVID, but now even in my business, we have a virtual mastermind. We took our, we had to cancel our Puerto Rico masterminds, which is a shame and take it virtual because we can't get in person. So now we have that virtual um, and we do a workshop once a month uh, in both of my companies. Mine is called the Summit Genesis Workshop. It's a three-day virtual intensive um, none to done with your virtual summit. So that's a virtual event. It's a workshop. Just think of any workshop you've ever been in person, except now online. Now the biggest ones, what you were just talking about, Matt, and I'll let you all decide which Matt I'm talking to in general. When I say that out loud is we've seen a lot of people with in-person conferences, like think of like, you know, Tony Robbins conference or the 10 X Grant Cardone, whatever go, okay, let's take these virtual. Now, so that's a live streaming conference, meaning it starts at 8 a.m., it goes till 5 p.m., there's a speaker that's live, it's, you know, this speaker one's live, then speaker two's live. You typically pay to get access to that, Um, and if you miss it, it's gone. If tech breaks, it's gone. If the internet doesn't work, so there's a lot of things that go into that. It's a pretty... So those are live streaming events, and so your your platform doesn't do live streaming events. It's all like pre like pre-recorded stuff or online content. So we, our platform will handle live streaming, but a summit historically and traditionally is a set of pre-recorded interviews that solve a problem or series of problem over a set period of time. And it's free to attend. So that's kind of like the big differences here is that yes, there's live streaming. It's probably 80% pre-recorded, 20% live on a summit. It's free access. So the speakers are typically promoting it to their audiences, generates a big audience. The reason we call it a collaborative marketing strategy is because everybody benefits from like speaker one benefits from speaker you know two sharing it as well as the host. And then once it ends, those sessions are locked down. Unless you purchase, for example, like an all access pass or something, and then you maintain access to the videos. So, so 
but people that use your platform, they can charge for people to attend and stuff too. Absolutely. Yeah. You, the, the platform, the thing I try and say, we can do everything a live streaming conference if you wanted to do that, but that's not our wheelhouse. We specialize in virtual summits. We have live streaming. You can do paid. We have premium like one day summits, for example, I just wanted to iterate, you know, live streaming conference. There's a lot of uh, risk involved in those as well. You really should have a pretty big team helping you. Whereas a lot of virtual summits have been people's road to success. They were a one man show. They did a virtual summit, generate an audience of 10,000 and now have a six figure business and then can go hire teams and move that business along versus you're not going to jump into a live streaming conference as a solo show. Mark, let, let's, I, I want to stop you there for a second. Cause I want to talk a little bit more about that. You mentioned like, I think a lot of people don't realize the amount of horsepower it takes to do a true live streaming event. Right. And, you know, I have a history in the music industry and I've had this, I've had this discussion with uh, in the last three months with people from five different touring bands because they have, all right. So you're, are you in Puerto Rico right now? Are you at home? No, I'm at our ski house in Sun Valley, Idaho. That, that sounds rough. Oh, I actually, I saw your campfire picture the other night on Facebook <laughs> with the full moon. Thanks for that, by the way. Maybe I'll post that on Instagram. <laughs> if you go to Outstart a Puzzle podcast and you see Mark Wade's butt, I'm sorry. <laughs> Because uh, yes, that was. I'm on just. Facebook. I'm finally figuring the social distancing. There's thing nothing out. better than scrolling down my feed and seeing a man's ass right there that I didn't ask to see. It did have a happy face over it. But <laughs> okay, so I've had this discussion back back to live streaming stuff. But um, you know, the, there it's remarkably bandwidth intensive. There are matters of latency and goofy little things. And by the way, I ask you. If you were in, uh, in in Puerto Rico, you are our first uh, guest that calls Puerto Rico home. I uh, love San Juan. Beautiful, beautiful city, beautiful place. But, uh, you know, as many people know, there's been some issues, some infrastructure issues there. And, you know, that could affect bandwidth. And I ask because I'm seeing a little latency in our video feed. And I didn't know if that's where you were at. But, you know, so so the, the live stream thing, you talk about having a big team. You got to have a lot of bandwidth. You got to have a lot of horsepower. And you don't have any room for air. You know, and so is that, is that something that when you do a virtual summit, do the people that participate in it and the speakers feel a little better knowing, and, and as well as you, the site owner, knowing that it's not like, okay, we get this, it, it, well, with live streaming, you get it, it's a yes or a no, you got it right or you didn't. So, I mean, what, what are, what are some of your comments about that? Yeah. So, you know, and we run virtual live streaming conferences as well. And this is not a, a Facebook live. Okay. So let's just clarify. It's not a fa as easy as going live on a Facebook live, although that could be interesting. Um, and when we run these, like, for example, I don't know um, if you're familiar with Tucker Max from, I hope they serve beer in hell. He runs a company called scribe now. Um, so we consulted with them. They were doing a virtual conference slash workshop. And I said, look, you need to have double everything. You need to have a backup everything. You need to have a backup computer. You need to have a backup microphone. You have backup earphones. You have backup internet, every single thing. And for example, if we were in Puerto Rico, I have that. I have two internet sources. So if one's not working, I can switch over to the other because something will inevitably always go wrong. No matter oh, yeah. how much you prepare or plan in advance, that's, you know, that's tech and, and, and multifaceted complex 
things in general. But with a summit, as you were just saying, Matt, is a lot of it, it, it there's not this huge amount of stress that, oh, you know, because you can test it. You've got it all set up. You know, you may have a couple lives, but the entire event doesn't revolve around that one live happening. You still have the other 80 to 90% of the event that you already have tested and know is going to work. And then for your speakers, I mean, trying to schedule and organize a live stream conference is super challenging because you've got to get every speaker to be available there at that time and, and show up. And I can tell you as a, as a host, having hosted live stream conferences, sitting there looking at my phone five minutes before that speaker is supposed to pop on live and going, where are you? It's hard to even focus on your event. Cause you're like terrified. The speaker's not going to show up. So you have to have backup speakers on those as well. So there is a much different well, it, level. It's, of- sim- it's similar like a music festival or something. And you oh, know, yeah. the thing is, is if five minutes, long or short somewhere else and you got to figure out what you're going to do in the middle because it's easy to lose people's attention like five minutes doesn't sound like a long time until you sit there and watch a clock for five minutes (laughs) and if you're trying to keep people interested and you can't it feels like a a damn eternity so okay um little little shift here so mark you i i'm i'm a big fan of mark wade because i think you and i have a promoter gene about us that i spot in you um that is very natural for myself as well um you have done a very effective job at promoting virtual summits and once again go to virtualsummits.com check out what they do because if you're a content creator or someone that has something to say you want to look into it it's a good way a great way to grow your business and matt we should probably host the summit yeah that's what i was yeah yeah we probably should because it would make a lot of sense and and talk about the different things we can do but you you launched your own podcast which i noticed and i you know i've i've known you for what about a year a little longer Longer, and had talked with you between you know you and luke and i remember when you were launching the podcast and you got picked up by the the new and noteworthy which is a really a, a tip of the cap from apple that's like uh have that's like a spot on the marquee um, I've noticed that you, much like us, have been hard at work producing lots of episodes a lot of the time. Uh, it, has that been a successful driver for you? Unbelievably. I, I had, you know, one of my best friends is John Lee Dumas from Entrepreneurs on yep. Fire. So Another I, very well-known podcaster. Yeah. I had this bird in my ear for a while saying, Mark, you got to do a podcast. You got to do a podcast. got to do a podcast. And I'm like, all right, all right finally did the podcast and it has been one of the top driving factors for our business in general. Most of the people who end up coming and doing business with us have spent a period of time binging out on the information on the podcast. Now, as you guys know, it's not easy to do and run a podcast, especially at, at length for long periods of time. There are weeks where my team's like, Mark, uh, we still need the episode for this week. You know, you're going to do that. But, um, Overall, it is from a branding and traffic source just for people to get to know you, learn about you, connect with you, and then come into the world, you know, into your world, whatever that is for us at Summits has been phenomenal for sure. Yeah. And that's something, you know, I've talked to a lot of people. I'm sure you get the same questions because everyone wants to have a podcast and then they realize it's a lot of work. I mean, you know, for us, we're, we're in a fortunate situation, you know, to the, to the sponsor today's episode, Full Scale, Matt and I own, we have a 12 person marketing team. 
So, you know, people ask us, they're like, how do you do, how do you publish five podcasts a week? I'm like, well, we have an assembly line. I sit down in front of a microphone. I talk to cool and interesting people, and then I leave and hope everything goes well. And that's about where it's at. Now, it wasn't always that way. Um, is that is a similar process something that it can be, well, A, do you, do you do something similar with your podcast? But is that also something that would work when it came to creating content for a virtual summit? Yeah, I've, uh, I've, this is my second podcast. My first one was in the health space called the council on human function, which was also a, a top show for a long period of time on, on iTunes. Um, that one I did manually. Like I wanted to like in everything in my business, I want to know how it works for a, a period of time. Yeah, Once I too. know how it works, then you can delegate it. Right. Yep. But when I went into virtual summit podcast, I had no intention of jumping back into the driver's seat and doing all the the work that that goes with it in the sense of like editing the soundtracks in and the intros and the outros and all that. So I agree with you 100%. It is, it's phenomenal to have that. What I will say with virtual summits, um, there's different components. If you're thinking of like the video, like let's say we do an interview like this, summits is going to be video, not just audio. So you're going to have video, you know, you can do things like Fiverr. That's how I kind of started. I mean, I did all of it my, myself for the first, you know, summit after that it's, it takes a lot of time if you're going to do it all by yourself, but you got things like Fiverr, um, that can help you like just with a like an intro outro type of clip onto your, on your interviews. Other than that, what's really cool about it, and maybe from promotional standpoint too, like a graphic, you could get a graphic designer on something, you know, like I'm, if I tried to design something graphically, it would look like a third grader built it. So we would just not go there. But from the rest of it, there's really not much you have to do other than typing information in if you're using something like virtual summit software, because it's like having a VA on your team. For example, speaker management, once you, you get speakers to agree, you put them in the software, software reaches out to them, reminds them, Hey, please submit your bio, your headshot, you know, et cetera, all the way to having your pages and running the summit for you. So other than like a video editor and maybe a graphic designer and maybe a copywriter, if you're not, if you don't like doing copy, um, to write some emails, those would be the additional components. So as you're aware, we own a software platform partnered with your brother. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that, so we kind of, we came into that after he had been doing it for several years. And one of the things when I sat down, I, I meet with him regularly and I've been very adamant about onboarding and getting people set up. So is that something that it sounds like you have taken that same route? Like you got to walk people through the whole setup at virtualsummits.com, when Matt and I want to do our summit, is it going to walk us through every step of the process and hold our hands? Because we don't like having to figure shit out on our own. Right, Matt? No. <laughs> Show well, me the path to enlightenment. We'll, we'll make sure that it's, it is as simple. Yeah, it is, there's, there's guides, there's product tours, and the whole point, like the, the whole tagline on Virtual Summit software is it's never been quicker or easier to host a summit. Like when I made this, the virtual summit software, my number one kind of, uh, thing that I said, like it has to do is it's gotta be so easy that my partner can use it without asking me questions. Dr. Krista, she is about as tech literate as it comes. And so every single time there's a tech thing, it's usually, Hey Mark, can you come help me? So with the virtual summit software, my, my litmus test was she can use it and not need my help. And she does. She runs several summits 
all by herself every year on that. So pretty sure two smart I, and handsome say, dudes like five, yourself. Five or 75, a five-year-old or a 75-year-old. Yeah. And that's my dad and my daughter. So it's like the daddy-daughter test. But it's a good point because the thing is, is, is – Everybody, okay, so virtual summit, while we're, okay, the world's familiar, the word Zoom, uh, Matt, we can't call Zoom a startup anymore because its name has become a verb. Oh, yeah. Uh, we determined, we're, we were trying to figure out when a startup isn't a startup, and we and my wife brought this up. She says, if the name of your company is a verb, I think you're not a startup because, hey, I'm going to Uber there, yeah. you know, uh, but so virtual summits is something, I mean, the idea of video conferencing has been around for a while. I like the summits thing. I like the the setup of that, but that's new to some people and, and many people are intimidated by, well, even just being on a podcast and part of us, like we, we can, for those of you listening, we use some software called Squadcast. We can see each other. I don't publish the, vi the video on these because people don't really care what we look I was like wondering too much. why you weren't wearing any clothes well yeah i mean watson hasn't had pants on for like 60 episodes <laughs> and then started doing the online stuff so it was weird but but so so what kind of how you know people are are video is is uh, exponentially more difficult than audio uh, for a lot of different reasons. This could be lighting, it's the file sizes, it's what you got to go through, it's editing and all this other stuff. What is What do you guys do to help people feel a little more comfortable about being on camera? Uh, we always joke that we, our faces are made for radio, but it, I mean, here's the thing is, it, is when you turn on that red light, a lot of people freak out and they don't feel very comfortable in front of the camera. Is there anything you guys do to help ease that anxiety? Essentially, any piece of the summit process, we have some kind of training available for it. Everybody's at different realms, right? We have some people that come into the summit space that have done 200 podcast episodes. So they're like, I'm cool when it comes to interviews. And there's other people that come in, they're like, I'm tech genius, like, but I need help with the interviews. So the podcast was one of those resources, right? Essentially, every time I get a question a couple times, I create an episode on that. And now I have a resource when somebody asks like, hey, how do I create my summit offer? Well, I have an entire episode walking through every single aspect of a summit offer, what makes a good one, what makes a bad one. But we also do a lot of video training as well. So for example, um, with video, interview, etc., we have a, a program completely free, free training called interview like a pro and it walks through all that how do you create your perfect intro how do you prep like a pro to prepare for the interview what is you know how do you set up the equipment aspect what are your options so i mean when it comes to anything like that especially now after several years of being in business and hearing all of the questions we have some kind of free training for almost every component and then of course we have our you know our higher level paid stuff as well but from a from a getting people's questions solved and making them feel comfortable to be able to do a summit, we have resources available for them. So I, I've got an important question here. So I'm, I'm thinking about my company, Stackify, and you know our customers are software developers, and, and we do a bunch of stuff around application performance. And you know we we could host our own virtual summit, right? So I'm, I'm thinking in my head like, how would we use something like this? And so one question I have for you is, how much content does somebody usually need to host a virtual summit? Is it Great Eight question. hours? Is it Great 20 question. hours, 40 hours? Like how much content do I need if I'm going to do this? Depends on which type of summit you're wanting to run. So we have a multi-day summit and a one-day summit. A multi-day summit is anywhere from about three days to 14 days with anywhere from about 20 speakers 
upwards of 80 speakers with 35 being the most common. So usually those sessions are 30 to 60 minutes, right? So you, you multiply that. A one day summit is just like it sounds. It's one day, but it's not a full day in content. It just means your audience has one day to consume it. Now, these are pretty powerful because it overcomes this issue that we're all dealing with called attention span, right? So sometimes people look at a multi-day summit, they're like 40 speakers over five days. I don't have time for that. So they don't engage at all. But with a one day, we can solve a specific problem in a specific amount of time. So like, you know, learn Facebook ads in one day. Now it has anywhere from about five speakers to 15 speakers with eight to 10 being the sweet spot. So again, 30 to 60 minutes times about eight. So the other question I had for you is, can, can I like, could I create a summits like this? And then can that almost be training material that my customers or users could consume at any time? Or is this really like a one day thing and it's gone? You're so smart over there. Look at you. Yeah, no, like the, we, this, we like to say Matt is really smart on the podcast. Matt is really smart. Yeah. Yes. Thank so you. thank you. Well, <laughs> you're welcome. Yeah, in some way, this could be like recorded webinars, right? That are always out there. And I'm just always promoting it to my customers. Like we spent all this time, we put all this content together, like explainers, training, how to sort of like training material, right? Or so you, you're, you're now getting super creative, which is, which is awesome. Most people are just in the do one summit. The framework is for a list builder, build an audience. Now, um, with what you're saying, our software has a proprietary technology called the ever summit feature. So with one click of a button, the software will rerun your summit as if it was live or still good ongoing forever. So you can send traffic to it ongoing. The audience comes to the landing page, says, you know, you can choose weekly, twice a month, once a month, whatever. It says summit starts next Tuesday. They opt in, the software opens, unlocks, locks, everything. They come out the other side, they go back to the landing page, says, ah, summit's ended, registration's ended, upgrade. But all new traffic says summit starts next Tuesday. With that being said, with a one-day summit, we have all kinds of different frameworks from a list builder to a premium, meaning if you've already got an audience and you just want to provide value and monetize that audience, you could do a paid one-day summit or you can do what you've just said, which I think is a phenomenal idea, is having some set of onboarding sequence. And again, with a summit, you could do a one-day summit. You could do with like, for example, just you and Matt, a multi-day summit you're not going to be the only speaker on that. Like nobody's going to watch four days of you doing 30 sessions, for example, with a one day summit, you don't necessarily need all the other speakers. You could have a variety of speakers or you could have like, we've actually used um, one day summits from the teacher position, which is you bring on your past customers or clients and have them teach something, but it's more like a case study or a testimony for you. So any type of aspect with that would be very powerful. For example, like you said, an onboarding or problem solving with a one day summit, that's how we kind of decided it was, you always start with the end in mind. Like what's, where are you taking the audience after the one day summit? Yeah. If, if it's. I, I, what I'm thinking about is how do I use this as like a lead generation thing? Like I get a million visitors to my website. Can I create like this online sort of like recorded webinars almost. Right. But then like funneling people into it as, and then here's all this free, amazing content that I built 
Yeah. That would be a list builder then. Like mm-hmm. when you say, let, let, I think we should define this a little bit because I love what you're doing here. And obvi- you, you should ask Matt to buy something while we're recording because I, I can always tell when he's interested in a guest product. But, you know, that, that, that you, so Matt, Matt has a, a we don't want, I don't want to say a chicken and egg issue, but they get a million visits to the Stackify blog every month. But not all those people register or do anything or whatever. So this would be a good way. Are you interested in what Stackify sells? Come listen to the founder talk about it. Listen to a couple of our architects. And then here's a couple ways that our past clients are winning using our software. And that's how we would funnel someone into the summits and actually collect meaningful data and make an impression. Is that is that an appropriate use case? And I want to I want to identify here a big difference between a summit and a webinar, right? Because we've mentioned, you've mentioned webinar a couple of times now. Most people are familiar with webinars, masterclass, et cetera. And they consider those a sales pitch. Like it's what we call a high risk, hopefully high value opportunity. But in most cases, not a lot of times it's like, let me teach you the three secrets. And then actually to get the three secrets, you got to buy my $10,000 program. So most people like show up rates, we know show up rates on webinars are typically not great because people are like, oh, I'm going to get on there. You're going to sell me. Summit show up rates are great because they're not, look, it's what we call relationship building strategy. You're not pitching them things. You're providing them with value. And if you have other speakers on there, a lot of times your audience will know one of those speakers. So they already have trust towards that speaker. So you get to leverage, we call it expert leverage, leverage the, the trust, the credibility authority. So what I would even recommend though, is you can get, you could get more even tactical with this instead of just a generic, like you could have one generic, like, like learn about us type of one day summit or what blog are they going to the most often? Like what's the content, what's the topic. And then you start with, well, what's the problem that the audience has that they're trying to solve? Like that's why they're on your blog. The reason people do anything is because they have a problem they're trying to solve. If you identify that problem, now you create a one day summit, five sessions, super easy five sessions that solve that problem. And now they go from the blog to getting this and maybe throwing a little, little resource thinking. And, you know, I didn't know that I was going into this podcast today and then going to come out of it with like a whole new marketing idea. I didn't well, know. But so. It's a, it's a great use case. Cause like yeah. I said, like, like Matt has created this, this marketing beast with the blog and, but I want to keep, I want to focus on a key point. Everything we're talking about, regardless of whether it's a podcast, a virtual summit, a blog, anything, it all starts with creating valuable content, not just spammy bullshit, not just some, Hey, buy my three secrets for 10 grand. It's like, Hey, let me like in, in the Stackify blog, every, well, Matt, would you publish 10, 12 articles a month, but they're high quality. They're talking about tech. They're literally, well, I mean, these are like 3000 word articles in some cases. And it's, you know, we've always been real adamant about that here on the podcast too. Like we have to offer something of value because if not, we're just, I mean, what's the point, but, and it sounds like the same way with the summit and Matt, I think this is a cool idea for something like Stackify because application uh, performance management, well, there's, there's some complexity to it, you know, and there's all these different languages and different stuff. And I think that anytime you're assuming that a visitor just gets what you're doing or selling, eh, you're probably coming up a little short because like, like we mentioned, wanting to have virtualsummits.com hold our hand while we set it up. I think all users are like that, you know? So, okay. Now, Matt, are you you signing up for a paid account now, Matt? 
I was just telling my marketing manager that we need to talk later. <laughs> well, one thing I want to also mention too is the 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 ability to repurpose. So we've been talking about deciding to do one and then doing one. For those people out there that already do, like podcasts, if you video it, right? Um, if you have the video, you can always repurpose that and you can use the Ever Summit feature and just put old like videos you've already recorded in there. And now you, instead of those videos sitting on some kind of virtual shelf collecting dust, they can be used. They can go on a resource page in this kind of summit, uh, in, in a summit model, for example. Yeah, I think that's cool, man. And I, and, and I love, I love any time when you can repurpose something, you know, and not just be so omni focused, like, you know, cross channel marketing is the greatest. I've seen so many people that had and Matt, I was at, uh, sitting in Watson's backyard last night, drinking really cheap beer. It's true. And we were talking about that because, you know, we've seen people, uh, well, we have, we have a client that had 400,000 Instagram followers, pushed him into starting a YouTube channel. He had 15,000 subscribers before we published a video. And the, but that's that pushing things. You got to figure out where you have synergy, where you have assets and digital assets are really important. I love the fact that you could, you know, create many of them. And, and I think the summit thing too, I think the structure, and that's something we struggle with, uh, I'll admit it at full scale. Cause you know, we're all of a sudden we have coming close to a couple hundred employees. We're talking about how to train them, how to keep all these digital assets together. What matters to one person is not even interesting or useful to another. And it's like, next thing you know, you're like, shit, what do we do? You know, where, where do we, where do we put it in? So you mentioned going through the summit now let's, so let's say that I go to the Stackify uh, virtual summit and I make it through, um, despite having to listen to all those sessions with Matt, um, I'm, I still made it through and I'm still focusing now. Does, d does virtual summits have a way to know that I watched and like, actually maybe if I was there for an employer or anything else, like certify me or anything like that, you mentioned having some training and some different stuff before. I wasn't sure if, if that's something you offered as well. So the, the software would have a way to one monetize so they can buy the all X. You could offer whatever you wanted on there. Typically what we do is with a summit or summit is our relationship building strategy. Now, after the summit, we go into the post summit profit strategy. This is where you would monetize. You built the relationship with the audience. Now we go forward with their customer journey, which is going to be to the next thing, whatever that thing is for you, whether it's certification or a course or, you know, a consultation call and use our product or service. So that is the direction we would do. And that's honestly where most of the money comes from a summit. Yes. Like if you were doing a, you know, a first time multi-day summit, you got 5,000 people on there, you're going to generate 20, 30 grand probably. But if you turn around right after that to that same 5,000 people and then offer it a thousand dollar something, you're going to generate another 50 to $75,000. And that's really where the monetization comes is nobody's going to buy the thousand dollar thing until they one trust you and see value in what you have, which is why the summit is so powerful is it increases conversions to whatever the secondary thing is. Okay. Matt, are you going to monetize your summit? Uh, yeah, I'm going to sell them some software after they get my free content. That, I think that, but that's something that, you know, people out, have asked us a lot. We're, we're around 350 episodes of Startup Hustle. We just added three new hosts. We're trying to do a lot of different stuff. And people ask, they're like, well, how do you, do you, do you monetize it? Do you sell sponsorships? 
No, but we made a hell of a lot of great relationships. We plant seeds everywhere we go. Now, the forward model of of the Startup Puzzle podcast will include some third-party sponsors. But, you know, overall, like, I mean, that's the key. And I think that too many people that want to be content creators are hung up on trying to monetize it first. I'm going to give them the deal and sell them the drug, man. Create something of value, build your tribe, let them find as much value in each other as they find in you, and then have the discussion about monetization. Because, no, I mean, I I gave a speech last fall on how to start a podcast, and about a hundred people were there. And I st- this is a Global Entrepreneurship Week, and my first, I looked at everyone in the beginning, and I said, "Who's here to learn how to create a podcast because they think that they're going to monetize it and it's going to be what they do full time?" 80% of the room raised their hand and I was like, and I literally just be, me being me, which some people love and some people don't for this reason. I said, you're going to ha- we're going to have a lot of disappointment real soon. When I tell you that it is nearly impossible to monetize something like that right away, unless you're already famous and you have something else. So you got to focus on the creation of content and providing value. And like you said, it's that trust factor. I think one of the things that's neat about that is, um, when you can see the face of someone, like I mentioned, we're using a, a podcasting platform so we can see each other because I can see when Watson's interested in buying something because I can see him and it make, but it makes it so much easier. It feels a lot better. I don't know what it is about that. So I think that's really cool. Now, once again, with us today, Dr. Mark Wade, CEO and founder of Virtual Summits. You can find Virtual Summits by going to virtualsummits.com at Virtual Summits on the web. <laughs> Let's say it's out there. So um, also, if you get a chance, check out Mark's podcast, the Virtual Summits podcast. I think you're about 160 episodes strong. Does that sound about right? Yes, sir. Yeah, really, really doing well with that. And, you know, I, I really want to say for those that are listening, Mark, someone to follow on social media, I'd go check him out. Um, uh, it's, it, there, you do a lot, you're, you show up and you're doing the right things, Mark. And, and that's not always easy to do. Cause if you're going to create a following, you're going to create a, a listening base, any of that, it takes time. It just takes time. So, uh, the, and, you know, unless you already have the audience, but it took time to build that one too. So it's the overnight sensation is not a real thing, but yeah, you, you're doing, doing a lot of great stuff. Now we end episodes of start a puzzle with what we call the founders freestyle. We're going to pass the mic around and Mark, we'll start with you. Um, we didn't really, we got into the, the, the product and everything else, but I'd like to, I'd like it if you could, if we could all go around and give future hopeful founders, some advice about something tough that we have learned or you have learned through building virtual summits. And I'll, we'll kind of parlay off of, of your comments, but you know, from having talked with you about, about this for over a year, I know that, you know, the struggle's real for all of us on many days. So I'd love to hear some of your comments that, that could be passed on as valuable content to someone else. Yeah, my two things, I got two ones that pop up right away that are burning in my skull, so I got to get them out, is one, <clears throat> you can't do it just for the money. Like if you're, if you're, whatever you're doing is for the money and for the fame, it, it's good. That'll, that'll get you started. That's a really great way to get started on something. But if you want to build a legacy or something that's going to last ongoing, there's got to be a bigger purpose or reason behind it. Because even if you achieve 
that monetary goal and success, you'll eventually realize that that's not nearly as fulfilling as you thought it would be. So that, that's my word of wisdom because it took me down a very long, dark path for a while after I thought, you know, all I need to do is be a millionaire and then all my dreams and happiness and everything's there. It's not. The second thing I would say is I personally believe every single one of us has a message inside of us that the world needs to hear. Now, sometimes we're a little timid, we're a little scared, or maybe we don't know how to get that out. But I think you're actually doing the world a disservice by not ferociously approaching a way to get that message out to the world. Because I feel like there is a hundred or a thousand or maybe a million people out there waiting to hear that message that you could make an impact or a difference in the world with. Master Watson. Yeah. You got a master and a doctor. What man, I'm going to sit over here and figure out my own insecurity. Why Matt dropped some wisdom on us. So, I mean, my, my, my head is just spinning over here. I'm trying to figure out how to, how I'm going to take advantage of this. So, um, you know, what I love is I love entrepreneurs like yourself that, you know, you're in an industry and you see a problem and you go solve it, right? Like you said before, you had this other business you were doing and you're trying to figure out how do I do online education and online summits with it and stuff. And you're like the crazy guy. He said, okay, I'm going to go build that. And you actually did it. And now you have a second business from it. So that's great. And, you know, that's usually how a lot of great products are built. You know, it's a, a product oriented person who says, I can go build this and I know what it needs to do and I'll use it. And, so that's awesome. And so big congrats to you. And um, it sounds like you built a great business. And I will definitely be following up with you to figure out some uh, tips from you on how we can leverage something like this as a marketing ploy for my company. So um, I never thought about something like that. So I, I'm excited. You got You never know what's going to happen when we hit record here on Startup Hustle. So, uh, you know, once again, Mark, I want to thank you for joining us and being a friend and being a supporter of what we've done and what we do as well. And hope, glad, really happy to get you on to talk more about this. Um, I think that you hit the nail right on the head. Um, and that's what I was alluding to when I talked to a group of people. Like if you're getting into this for the quote money, you have the wrong reasons for doing it. I've had a lot of people ask me over the years, how do I make more money? And my answer is always don't focus on money because money's a byproduct of, of mastery of something else, which is how that, you know, get good at something, uh, you know, make a difference, wake up and try to, uh, like I said earlier, do the right things every day, which is hard. And, you know, the because the thing is, is if you jump into something and it's all about monetization immediately, people smell that they know that they know that your motives are not um, as pure or straightforward as they might want to be. And then I think lastly, what I'd like to say is much like uh, the other Matt, the younger Matt, there you go, Matt, the younger Matt. You never thought that would be such a compliment. I turned 45 this week, so I'm kind of going, I'm midlife crisis I think. But try, but, and I mentioned with that age, try something new, right? Always try something new, like test, test, test. Maybe this is the, is the Rosetta Stone for you turning more people into active leads or subscribers or users. Uh, really, in the end, when it comes to recording content, sit down, make a list, talk in front of a camera, talk in front of a microphone. If it sucks, delete it. It's simple, but take a chance and try something new. I think Nike said it best when they say, just do it. 
just get out there and try it. And uh, I also want to commend you on, on being an entrepreneur that sees a problem and solves it. I have at many points in my life judged whether or not I had a good idea by how many people told me I was fucking crazy for even trying. And in some ways, the more people, it depends on who's telling you, but I have a list of people. If they tell me I'm crazy, then I know I'm onto something. So if you feel you've got the solution, you got to take a chance. I've seen you bootstrap this whole thing and, and really pick it up. And like I said, show up and do those right things every day. It's a marathon, not a sprint. And uh, back to your original comment about being a SaaS owner, it's never finished. Much like fashion, it is never done. And if you're going to start a software as a service business, don't go into it thinking that you're going to build a piece of software and then walk away from it and let it and milk cash out of it for years to come. It's not the way it works. So in, any closing arguments, kids? Yeah, I'd say you nailed that right there. That was a, that was, you know, and I, I always say one of the things that one of my strengths or benefits in my personality is my naiveness. If I knew all of the thing with everything I've ever done, if I would have known in advance how tough or difficult it was going to be, I probably would have never done anything. So I am fortunate that I just jump in and do stuff without thinking. I have my partner who's more of the analytical person who, you know, we're like the yin and the yang there, but uh, definitely, but I will say this though, SAS is difficult. SAS is tough, but it is also, there's something so magical about it. I still remember when I f had that idea became something I could actually touch on my computer and, and, and do like, it is a phenomenal thing, but I appreciate both of you, Matt and Matt for letting me be on here. I think we've settled this by far. I am obviously the best looking Wade in Kansas city. <laughs> um, and, uh, definitely do not go look at Matt's Instagram. You do not want to see my campfire picture. Well, no, I'm going to put that on the startup hustle. Okay. I, I, I ha we have we have three times as many followers there. So I want to, you know, the whole idea was to get good content in front of the most eyes possible, right? So <laughs> I'm going to show um, you how to do social distancing. I'm just happy you put. I'm just happy you put that smiley emoji over your ass crack because <laughs> that would have been too much. So. Hey, Bill Watson's making a weird face, but it's true. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't what I was expecting, but I feel so much closer to Mark now. I have to go because I got to go get that image out of my head. I will see you guys next time. See ya. Startup Hustles brought to you by Fullscale.io, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. Make sure you reach down and hit that subscribe button, then come find us on Instagram. See you next time. Like we do it like we do it.